60 songs that explain the 90s are back and in their final stretch. The Ringer's music critic Rob Harvilla curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Baby, welcome in. It is a champagne Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stemsky, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. What a Thursday. What a freaking Thursday. Between the insanity of the Steel Viking game, where if you had the Minnesota Vikings like I did, you were taking on an emotional roller coaster. If you had the Pittsburgh Steelers, you died a couple of different times throughout the course of the evening. What an insane game. And you should know, the Vikings are one of those teams, they love playing games like this. They don't, they don't have easy wins. They don't have easy losses. The 2021 Minnesota Vikings are the definition of let, let's play Heart Attack City week after week after week, and let's see if we can basically kill off our entire fan base. My goodness, I don't know how you have a pulse or blood pressure or any of that sort of stuff if you're a Viking fan. They're up by 28 points. Cousins is committing inexplicable turnovers. They're throwing the ball. Why? Dalvin Cook's running for over 200 yards. I have no idea. The Steelers get back into it. They score like three touchdowns in like four minutes. And even when you think the Vikings have it on ice, Cousins goes and throws another interception. That's why he will always be infuriating if he's your quarterback. He's going to make some really spectacular plays. He's going to sucker you in plenty of weeks, and he's going to perform like a top 10, top 12 quarterback, statistically speaking. But he's going to have games that kill you. He's going to have mistakes that kill you. And he's always going to be somebody that you're not necessarily willing to put in the circle of trust. Well, he had one of those back-breaking interceptions late in the game. So the Steelers get it back. They're backed up on their own four-yard line. You're thinking, all right, there's no way in the world Ben Roethlisberger is going 98 yards. They get hooked up with a pass interference. They're moving the ball. And then all of a sudden, they take their sweet-ass time in trying to convert. The 
fourth down conversion, which they ended up getting, ended up being a killer. Claypool doing the dopey first down gesture and throwing a ball up in the air basically cost this team about 12 or 13 seconds. And that mattered considering how the end of the game played out where you only had one shot after the missed tackle on Deontay Johnson. You should have had about three shots at that point in time. And the final shot of the game, I mean, my goodness, Ben couldn't have thrown a better pass. Harrison Smith made a spectacular play. Yes, he did. Fry moves got to catch him. He's been great all year. He's a big body Penn State tight end. He's got to make that play. But the Vikings survive. They're going to play about five more excruciating games. Four more, five more, whatever the case may be, if they're lucky enough to get into the playoffs. And the Steelers, that tie against the lowly Detroit Lions is looming rather large, considering they're 6-6-1 six, six, and one on the year, and smack dab right in the middle of the chaos that is the AFC wildcard picture. So, Really entertaining Thursday night game. So I'm juiced up about that. Then how about the end? Did anybody see the end of the Rutgers-Purdue game? Fantastic game. Rutgers playing the number one team in the country. They're 13.5 point underdogs. The final, like, three minutes of this game was just haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. Both teams just trading baskets. All sorts of back and forth. But the final five seconds of this game and the ending of this game, I don't think you'll have a better and a more chaotic ending to a game of college basketball this season. Purdue gets an offensive rebound tip in with like three seconds to go. You're thinking the upset bid is going to end in crushing fashion for Rutgers. They advance it up the court. Ron Harper basically at half court drains a three. Piscataway's going insane. They storm the court, and Rutgers ends up winning this game. What a win for Coach Peichel. They've had some bad non-conference losses earlier this year. That's a team that made the NCAA tournament, won a game in the NCAA tournament last year. That's the sort of confidence-boosting win that maybe allows their season to take off. But what a moment for them. And what an ending. I mean, it's going to be the best thing you saw in sports all day today. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. And it's one of our locals, so hats off to Rutgers. Unbelievable job. Seton Hall, who's in the top 25, they had a monster win. And how about the fact that on Sunday night, you will have Seton Hall and Rutgers facing off. And it's a game that, you know, normally would get buried if you put it on a Sunday afternoon. The fact that that game is Sunday night at 730 is perfect because the Sunday night game this week stinks. Bears-Packers. I will be in the Rutgers in Seton Hall. Little blood rivalry in the state of New Jersey. And they're both coming off monster, monster, monster top 25 wins. Seton Hall over Texas in a close game. Rutgers in buzzer-beating fashion over Purdue. So, my head's spinning. I love college hoops. I know it's a little early for the college hoops. But when I get games like that and I get finishes like that, I'm buzzing. So, I hope that the state of New Jersey, even though it is New York, New York, we love our Jersey brethren. You guys go to these respective universities, you're an alum, you're having a very happy, very, very happy Friday morning. Now, you know who hasn't had many happy Friday mornings so far this year? I think we know the answer. The New York football teams. Did anybody happen to see the cover of the New York Post on Monday? I saw it on social media. I, I'm down in Florida. I don't get the paper anymore. I read everything online. 
But this was one of those like perfect, spot on back pages where they didn't give you a jet headline. They didn't give you a giant headline. They basically put it in black. They put both helmets and they were like, yeah, nothing to see here. Another hapless weekend for the two New York football locals. As we get ready for Sunday, do you expect anything different? The Jets is a five and a half underdog against the New Orleans Saints. Looks like Elijah Moore is not going to play. How are the Jets going to stop Taysom Hill when they weren't able to start stop Gardner Minshew or Tua or anybody for that matter? Jet defense has been a laughing stock now for about seven, eight weeks. Can you see improvement from the quarterback? Can you win a couple of games down the stretch? Can you have better feelings about the overall state of affairs going into the offseason with all of these draft picks at your disposal? That is what you're looking at from a Jets standpoint. From a Giants standpoint, not only have the Giants been bad, they've been tough to watch. I know bad teams usually fit that description. Giants don't score points. Giants don't move the football. Giants are going to try to make it ugly again on Sunday against the L.A. Chargers. They're probably going to try to play keep away from Justin Herbert. It looks like it's going to be Mike Glennon, a quarterback. Daniel Jones is working out. He's throwing the ball, but clearly he's not ready to play. And the topic around the Giants that fascinates me, and I think it's going to be one that gets a lot of attention this offseason. There are some star quarterbacks on the market. Rodgers don't seem as a fit with the Giants. I think he ends up staying in Green Bay. And if he leaves, he's probably going to a place like Denver or he's going out to the West Coast. That's one situation. Russell Wilson, though, is a guy who I believe has the sort of personality and has the sort of Hollywood persona about him that would love every minute of being the quarterback of a New York football team. And the sense I get talking to a lot of Giant fans, and I did when I was down in South Florida at the game a couple of days ago, is that there were a good majority of Giant fans who I talked to who said, we're not a quarterback away. Therefore, I don't want to give up the first-round picks. I don't want to blow up the possibility of reloading the roster. And I couldn't disagree with that more. You get a star quarterback in the NFL, Things can change, and they can change very quickly. Just look at Peyton Manning and the impact he had on the Denver Broncos when he went there. I think Russell Wilson could have that sort of impact with the New York Giants because he changes the entire feel, fabric, you name it, about your football team. And it doesn't necessarily mean that next year you snap your fingers, Russell Wilson's there, and you're a championship contender. Here's what I do know. Giants would be a relevant team. The Giants would be knocking at the door of the postseason if you get top-notch Russell Wilson, which I still believe is in there. I do. That's a move I'd make if I'm the Giants. It's a move I'd make. I think he'd embrace New York. I think he's still one of the top-flight, top-notch quarterbacks in this league, and I think he's a game-changer. I think he's a difference-maker. I, for one, would be willing to do it. That's something I want to get a sense of within the Giant fan over the next couple of weeks. Because you're playing out the string, let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. The rest of this year, the Giants are 4-8. They're going nowhere fast. 
and they got to answer front office questions, and they got to answer questions about their head coach. But the idea of Russell Wilson as a giant next year, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. Now, I don't know if it would require two first-round picks. I don't know what the asking price would be, especially with Wilson coming off the down year. Got to figure at least it's a one and a two. Maybe it's a one, a two, and a three. Maybe it's a one this year, one next year, two. Who knows? These teams can get creative with these sort of packages. I'm in on Wilson for the Giants because it gives me instant credibility. It makes me relevant. And I don't look at Russell Wilson as a guy who's got one or two good years left. I think Russell Wilson has six to seven really good years left in the NFL. When you're in quarterback hell and quarterback purgatory and you have an opportunity to get a dude, my advice, go and get it. Which brings me to the Knicks. And when I saw the betting line Wednesday, after the Knicks win against the San Antonio Spurs and they were a five-point underdog against the Indiana Pacers, that was like the telltale sign of me, oh my goodness, the Knicks are in a lot of trouble and the Knicks are going to have a long night. Sometimes you just have like that bad juju. You have that like that, that bad spidey sense. That was me last night. And when the highlight of the night is Obi Toppin basically having a posterized dunk that fires up the other team, not to rag on Obi, it's not his fault. The other team used it as motivation. It kind of speaks to a Knicks season that has been nowhere close to his feel good as last year's season, which I kind of expected to be the case. What do I mean by that? Anybody who thought the Knicks were going to be better than a top four team in the Eastern Conference was not paying attention to the complexion of the conference as a whole. And the fact that there are a whole lot of teams that got better. And there were teams that finished behind the Knicks in the, you know, in the postseason last year who were better. Atlanta and Miami specifically. The Knicks have not done a great job against beating up the bad teams. The starting lineup has not been productive. Their best player has clearly regressed. Their offseason moves have not exactly panned out. And you kind of get the sense the Knicks need a move. The Knicks need to, at some point, whether it's between now and February, whether it's next summer, this overall core, there are pieces, don't get me wrong. There are encouraging signs, don't get me wrong. They are going to have to transform this thing. They've got it to respectability. They play hard for the most part every night. They got good infrastructure. GM seems confident. Head coach seems confident. You're no longer the butt of all jokes around the league. That's great. How do you transform the franchise? Saw Miles Turner rumors the other day. The problem is I see the trade that they throw out there. I'd, I'd laugh in your face if you're the Indiana Pacers. That's the trade you throw my way. I'd laugh in your face. Knicks are going to have to make a trade that I think is going to be painful for some fans. Because I think it's going to mean... A Robinson, a Quickly, a Toppin, maybe even R.J. Barrett is going elsewhere to transform your roster. That bothered Nick fans when they made the Carmelo trade, what was it, over a decade ago. I think between now and February, the Knicks really got to 
figure out and prioritize. Who are we building with? Who's expendable? And how do we have a much different look on the court? Because if this is going to be the team that they run out for the remainder of the year, they're going to float around 500. They might be a little bit better than 500. They might be a little under 500. And they're going to be right on that playoff cut line. I don't think they'll be a top six seed from what I've seen so far this year. That could change. Narratives. Look, the feel of the team could look drastically different. Gut feel. Going to my head right now, they are not one of the six best teams in the East. I just don't think that they are. Not talking about a mortgage future type of destruction of the Knicks. I'm talking about the evolution of the Knicks. I'm talking about growing this franchise. If there's a trade available, I can do that. You got to be very open and you have to be very receptive to it. And this is where this front office, which has been taking a whole lot of bouts from people like me, they're going to have their make or break moment. Whether it's for a big star player in a trade, in free agency down the line, or a trade that's going to change the look and feel of their franchise. This is where you define. Got to get it right. It's something the Knicks haven't done a whole lot of the last 20 years, but you're going to officially change the culture for the better. That sort of move is coming. So buckle up for that over the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, because I think we're going to have a whole lot of NBA trade rumors involving the New York Knicks front and center because I get the sense, could be wrong on this, but I get the sense they're antsy, very, very antsy to make a move. All right, we got a loaded show, absolutely loaded show. Benigo's going to join us, Art's going to join us, and we're so backed up, we will save our voicemails for Sunday. So backed up. We had all the stuff beforehand. We got all our football guests. Voicemails Sunday, so you guys know where to get them in. Beningo is in rare form, I can promise you that. And I know a lot of you sent fantasy advice the way of Jason Katz. I'm not going to disappoint on that. We're going to make sure we get you churning. We're going to get you going any which way you can. Loaded show, old school, new school, coming off its best week of the year. What do we have in store for an encore? That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms, all rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. 
Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, folks, it's now time for another edition of Old School New School. Mm. And we are coming off our best collective week of the year. I had my best week. I went 4-1. and one. I thought everything would smell like a rose. Joe B one-ups me. Five and oh, well, how about that? Well, let me tell you right now, okay? Uh, did I call the freaking Patriots? The Patriots will not lose another game. Uh, maybe maybe the Colts might, maybe. I'm thinking about that Colt game in a couple weeks. I don't know. Because it's going to be a big game for the Colts. What about week 18 down in Miami? Come on, you're on the Dolphin bandwagon uh, now. Depends. It depends what if the Patriots need the game or not. You know what I mean? Well, the Patriots need that game to win the division. I don't know. So you are saying that the New England Patriots will not lose another game in the regular season. Uh, I'll take your action on that. Maybe I'll one. I'll take your action on that. Maybe one. Maybe, maybe one. one. And they win a game where the quarterback throws three passes. And listen, regardless look, of the weather conditions, look. give you credit because you told me last week, Patriots, 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 every which way. I'm just glad that I was smart enough to leave Buffalo out of I'm all the contests. Right what was did smart I tell you about Buffalo? Buffalo is the most overrated team in the league. We talked about this. This was supposed to be their year, and they're barely going to get into the playoffs. They're going to they'll make it, but barely. That's well, and it stinks for my team that they lost both heads up to Buffalo because who knows what that will mean as far as tiebreakers are concerned. And I think I'm welcoming you on the Finn bandwagon because it feels like every time you pick them, they win and they cover. I like that, Joe. Because when you're a Jet fan and your season ends like. You know, by mid-October, you know, you're done. You know what I mean? Like we are every year as we head for, you know, four and 13 or whatever this wonderful year is going to be with the great Robert Salad. Oh my God. Anyway, anyway, you, you, you start to analyze the rest of the league. And I like you. I told you, your coach, you got a good coach. I don't know what the issues were early in the year, but you got a very good coach. And I'm not surprised. And look, you got to buy this week and then you got to buy next week too because you play the Jets. Don't try to put the kibosh like, on it, please. I'm not allowing you like, to do that. It's like back-to-back bye weeks, bro. Come on. You were 5-0 and last week. I, was. I am going to ignore not. the reverse jinx that you're trying to put on the Dolphins. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Well, they, don't, they can't lose this week, so you can sit there with your feet up. It is. It's going to be nice. I will be in Florida. I'll have the screens going. Yep. I'll have yep. the beach overlooking, and away we go. Right. So, Who's doing better than you? Uh, maybe, I don't know, Jeff Bezos. He might be doing a little bit better than me. <laughs> Pat McAfee. I think yeah. Pat McAfee's yeah. doing better than me after he signs a $30 million contract tonight. Yeah. But, yes, few few and far between, Joseph. Few There's and far many, between. It's, it's, so it's a short list. It's a we short. try. We try. Right. Just for you. But you were 5-0, and oh, so I give you the honors. I let you tee it off. The floor is yours. All right, I'm going with my best bet of the week right off the bat. I love the Titans playing eight and a half at home against Jacksonville. This is one, like we saw the, the Jaguars are like that get right game for everybody. Kind of like the Jets are, you know, they were the get right game last week for the Rams. Uh, everybody, but the bills that is they, and they will be the get right game 
for Tennessee. The Titans have lost a couple games in a row now. They're reeling a little bit. You know, they got whacked uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess they was at their bye week last week, so they're coming off the bye. They got whacked by the, the Patriots the week before that. They actually lost to the Texans at home the week before that. So they've lost two consecutive games. They are sitting there at 8-4, but the Colts are breathing right down their neck, and the Colts got to play them again. This is a game Tennessee has to have. They will blow out Jacksonville. Give me the Titans laying eight and a half at home uh, on Sunday. You may remember last week we had two family plays. They right. deliver. Right. Well, right on cue, a family we play right we out go. of the gate because right. I am with you a thousand percent on Tennessee. Tennessee off their bye must yep. be sick to their stomach. <laughs> Yep. losing to the Texans at home, had a game in which they were right there with the Patriots, despite the fact that the final right, score was right, lopsided. Right, right, right. A lot of weird plays, long drives unfulfilled, blah, blah, blah. You got a good coach with a week to prepare for a football team that is completely checked out on the season. The Jaguars got steamrolled in Los Angeles last week. The quarterback has been spotty. The coach has been horrendous. You're telling me Jacksonville is going to be fired up to play this game? I don't believe it for a second. Nope. I'm a little concerned the line is not north to 10 because I think it should be, quite frankly. North to 10, this has Tennessee double-digit win written all over it. How in God's name can you trust the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars, Joe? Yeah. Love yeah. it, bro. Family play, number one, I'm all over the Titans as well. All right, number two. And I was going back and forth on this game between taking, you know, taking the charges against the crummy Giants but the more I thought about this game, I'm laying off the giant game. The more I thought about this game, I'm going with the WFT getting four at home against the Cowboys. This is a game. They're red hot. They won three in a row. Tyler Henke is playing excellent football. The defense is playing well. They can run the football. I like Ron Rivera. Uh, you know, Dallas is what they are. I mean, you know, Dallas, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, Dallas could go out there one day and look like the best team in the NFL, and then they have their days where they get whacked at home by 30 points by the Broncos. If Washington is going to make the playoffs, they're in a playoff position now, but I'm sure they're looking saying, hey, man, we got five games to play. We're only two games behind behind Dallas. This is a game they got to win. If they, if they got any, if they're entertaining at the division title at all, they have to win this game, and you're getting four. So they lose by a field goal, you cover. I'm taking the WFT getting four at home against the Cowboys. You know, I got to say the WFT have been good to me. They've been very, very good to me. I had them last week. It was my best bet across the right. board. Right. I don't have a great feel for this game. I understand your logic. I'm not playing it. I'm not going right. anywhere right. near it. Well, you never know what you're getting from the Cowboys. That's the you thing. The Cowboys, if they know. come at, here's my fear with the game, Joe. <laughs> if Dallas comes out and plays their A game, they'll beat the WFT going away. I don't know if we're getting that eight game from the Cowboys. Right. And if we're talking about a sense of desperation, the football team needs it a lot more. But I am going to take in game two, okay. a game that you liked and got a little cold feet on. I'm taking the Giants plus the nine and a half wow. against the LA Chargers. Then I, I saw I the Giants the in person. Say this, I would have took the Chargers in this game, not the Giants. Oh, so you would have gone ahead. the other way. Well, I'm telling yeah. you why I'm yeah. taking the Giants here. The Go Chargers ahead. have no idea how to handle prosperity. They yeah, had a fair. big win fair against point. the Bengals. What right. do they have coming up four days after the Giant game? 
they got Kansas City in a Thursday night game. Mm, so this right, is your right. classic sandwich spot for a team that never, ever, ever plays well as a favorite. And I know the giant quarterback situation sucks. And I know that Saquon has been a nightmare and right. has absolutely well, no burst. Is, is Jake Fromm playing quarterback? It looks like it's going to be Glennon. That okay. could change between now and Sunday. But the last indication from Judge is that Glennon is okay. He's out of the protocol and he's going to be good to go. I just think the Giants find a way to make this game super ugly. I've seen that in their last few weeks. The Dolphin game was ugly. The Eagle game was ugly. The Chief game was ugly. The Raider game was ugly. Watch this game be super, super ugly. So I'll take the nine and a half. If they lose by 30, I'm going to look like an absolute horse's ass, right. but I'm going right. to do it. Right. I'll right. take the Giants plus nine and a half in wow. game two. That's a, that's a gutsy pick, but I get what you're saying about the Chargers, but that's a gutsy pick. Hey, who knows? Maybe uh, Jake Fromm would be better than Mike Glennon. I don't know. Who knows? Gutsy pick, though. All right. Game three. Uh, I'm taking the Broncos at home, laying 10 on the Lions. You know, the Broncos have been a weird team, too. I mean, they're sitting there at 6-6. Six and six. You know, they, they, they're in the playoff mix there in the AFC right now. There's no doubt about it. You know, they come off a loss uh, last week. Uh, you know, actually got beat pretty good. So, they're, uh, who beat them? Kansas City beat them last week. Held them to only nine points, 22-9. to nine. Um, You know, Detroit got their win last week. Let's be honest. You know, the Lions got their win. They pull it out, the last play of the game, crazy, this guy, whatever his name is, Asia, Asia Minor, St. Pierre, whatever his name is, St. Brown, that caught the game when he touched out for Detroit. So they got their win out of the way. Denver needs to win. This is a game Denver has to win at home. The line is big. Ten's a big number, but I just can't. I mean, I don't see the lines. I mean, I, I to me, Denver wins. This, 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 this is the kind of game, like I saw earlier against the Jets, when they shut the Jets out 26 nothing, I could see this kind of win for Denver. I love the Broncos laying 10 at home against the Lions. Yeah, I like the logic. The Lions had this Super Bowl over the Vikings. Yep. Yep. Denver desperately needs the game. The only hesitation I'd have is their offense at times can be limited. Yes. So when yes. you have to cover a 10-point spread, that potentially could come into play. But I don't know how you make the case for the Lions in this game. I really I don't. don't. I don't know how you make a case for the Lions. Well, that's they got they their 10. win. Goff against the Fangio defense. Right. That has mismatch right. written all over it. So I'm not going to go against you there. But I'm not going to take that game. Here's okay. what I'm going to do. Game go three. <clears throat> I'm taking a team that lost last week. I'm taking a team that's getting points and they're flat out better in this game. I love Baltimore plus two and a half against mm. the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Explain pick. this to me. A lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. They got no corners. They lost right, Marlon Humphrey right, for the year. Right. My caveat to that, Joe, who outside from Cleveland scares me in the passing game? Landry's 50-50 in this game. Mm -hmm. The Browns wide receivers are not exactly anything to write home about. And I like the idea of getting Baltimore with a chip on their shoulder after what happened last week against a Brown team that lost a couple weeks ago when they played right, this matchup. Right, right. And Lamar's not throwing four interceptions like he did two weeks ago. I could tell you that right now. Lamar Jackson will play a better game against this Browns defense. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. I don't know how Cleveland takes advantage of that Ravens secondary. I'm taking a better team. I'm taking a better quarterback. I'm taking a better coach. And I'm getting points in the process. 
I'm in. Give me the Ravens plus two and a half. I think they went out right. Yeah, I like that pick. That's a good pick, bro. Very good. Very good pick. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, and I think now they almost beat them last time. What was it? 16 10, the last Ugly game. game. Very, With very ugly game. But remember, a picks, but lot they of found interceptions, the right, and Cleveland right. still couldn't take advantage. Right. That ain't happening again. Mayfield's terror. I mean, believe me. I mean, how this guy's got as many commercials as he has is a joke. But whatever. Be that as it may. I like the pick. All right, game four. I'm taking the Bucks against the overrated Buffalo Bills in Tampa. You're only laying three points here. Look, let's let's be honest about Buffalo, okay? You look at Buffalo this year. All right, outside of beating the Chiefs earlier in the season, when it was early in the year and the Chiefs were not the team they are now, okay? They've beaten nobody. Every good team they've beaten, they played, they lost to. They lost to the Steelers at home. They got trampled by the Colts at home. They lost to the Patriots with the Patriots throwing three passes at home. They lost to the crummy Jaguars, ninth of six in Jacksonville Jaguars, and they held them to only six points. You know, this is they are they're the bully on the block. You know, when they're playing a crummy team, when they're playing my team, when they're playing your team, not that you're crummy, but when they're playing your team, they're a tough guy. You know, they go out there, they're oh, we're Buffalo, we're tough. We can score 45 on the Jets. But when they play everybody else, they stink, they're overrated. They're barely going to make the playoffs. They put, This was supposed to be their year for the Super Bowl. The only way they're going to the Super Bowl is, is if they pay for the admission to go to L.A. There's no way it's happening. Tampa Bay is now playing for the bye. Let's be real. They're 9-3. and three. The bye is either going to go. I'm not sell, I'm not buying the Cardinals. I'm sorry. I, I still at 10-2. I don't buy Arizona. I think the bye, the number one seed will be either Tampa or Green Bay. I love Tampa here. You're only laying three. I think they're going to lay the wood here to the overrated Bills, who are still recovering from the disaster against the Patriots. Give me Brady and the Bucks laying only three at home against Buffalo. You know, if Buffalo <clears throat> didn't have Carolina, uh, they have Carolina. I think they have the Texans, and they I think the they Jets have again. your team. Right. If they didn't have those games coming yeah. up, we could That's probably it. call the and path for them to miss the postseason. And they got the Patriots again in Foxborough where there's no shot, but they winning that game. I love your hatred of the Buffalo <laughs> Bills. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I and no, I could have known, talking to you on the phone yesterday, that you were going to take Tampa Bay. Like, that was one of those games I was thinking about. That, right? I was like, Benigno is 1,000% going to be on the Bucks this week. 1,000%. Well, here's, here's, the, here's the thing about Buffalo. They've won nothing. This was supposed to be their year. They act, like I said, like they're tough guys. And they're not. They're overrated. They had their shot last year. This was supposed to be their year for the win the Super Bowl. Everybody loved them. Oh, Buffalo. Oh, nah, nah, give me a break, will you? They're all overrated there, including the freaking coach. Love the Bucks in this game. Like I said, Buffalo will make the playoffs because of what you said. You know, because they got Buffalo. You know, they got the Jets. They got the Panthers. They got, the, they got these crummy teams they got to play yet. So they'll win. Well, they'll get the 10 wins and make the playoffs, but forget it. There, there's the Super Bowl is not happening. The division title is not happening. Give me the Bucks laying the three. All right, buddy. My fourth game, and this is probably my best bet of the week. And my producer, yes. who's a big Niner fan, is probably not going to like to hear this, but too bad. Wow. Oh, wow. I Woo! love the Niners. Love, love, oh, love, love the, the Niners, Niners this okay. week. Okay. After the loss in Seattle. You got a Cincinnati team that I think is bound for some regression. Mixon is sick. I don't like Cincinnati's defense. And I think San Francisco is one of those zigzag teams. 
A lot of people are going to be out on the Niners after what happened last week. Fluky game. Weird game. Division game. I think their physicality will be the difference in this one. I also like the fact that people are betting Cincinnati, and yet this line has swapped and it has flopped. San Francisco's one-and-a-half-point favorite. I love when those things are working in my direction, Joe. Niners, lay the point and a half. I think Debo Samuel will play. I think he ends up being the difference. Give me the Niners all over it. Interesting. Interesting pick. All right. Uh, it's only one, by the way. Niners are only laying Minus one. one. My mistake. Minus one. My no, mistake. no no, hook there. Bro. No hook. No. I, I'm matter. a little okay. – my fifth game, I, I thought long and hard about this game, but I'm going to do it. Now, every time I've gone against this team this year, I've gotten burned, all right? But I'm doing it. I'm going to Monday night. I'm taking the Rams, getting the two in Arizona. I look at it this way. If the Rams – the Rams got their get-right game last week after they lost three in a row, they destroyed the Jaguars as they should, Okay. Maybe, they, you know, you're starting to see something out of Beckham. I mean, Beckham's starting to give him something there with, with L.A. You know, even with Von Miller, they're starting to get themselves incorporated there a little bit with the Rams. The Rams are in the, in the lead wild card spot right now. But if they want to win this division, this is a game they got to win. I mean, this is it. There is no way. If they don't, if, let's put it this way. If Arizona wins this game, the division's over. It's done. With four games to go, there's no way Arizona will not win the NFC West. So this is the game that the Rams have to have. I still believe in the Rams as a potential Super Bowl team. I can't rule them out yet. I know they've had their bad stretch when they lost three in a row and all that. I cannot rule them out yet. They got a lot of talent on his team. They got a good coach. I'm still not sold on the Cardinals. They burn me every time. I think I've gone against them three times this year. I got burned every freaking time. But I'm going with the Rams. Like I said, they had their get-right game against uh, against the Jags last week. So this is it. I mean, if the Rams are winning this division, and it still may not even if they win, but this is a game they got to have. So give me the Rams getting two in zona against the Cardinals. Joseph, we have our second family play oh, of wow. the week. Uh-oh. So we had Woo! two last week. We got we two this week. And we, and we hit on both of them. So let's keep those good vibes going. There you go. I've been burned by the Cardinals a handful of times as well. And they smoked the Bears last week. They looked terrific last oh, the week. Bears stink. The Bears, the Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Right. Totally fair. Right. They got a clean house across the board. Right. I expect a big effort out of the Rams in a revenge game. Their offense got going against Jacksonville. They're finally starting to understand what their identity is going to be without Robert Woods. And I look at this particular game as a chance for the Rams' defense with all that high-priced talent, mm-hmm. Donald, Miller, yeah. Yeah. Ramsey, yeah. to yeah. go and make a statement yeah. with all of America watching. I also love the fact, Joe, that you and I are going contrarian in this game because 70% of the tickets are on the red-hot Arizona Cardinals who seem to win and seem to cover right. week after well, week after week. Record in, they got the best record in the NFL. I mean, and nobody you know, talks I mean, about him. Let's and be honest. Talk, right. Hey, you may, talks think about, about it, Joe. When you were talking about the NFC and teams to go through the NFC, you mentioned Green Bay, you mentioned Tampa. You didn't mention Arizona. No, so I'm sure they are kind of playing that up, and that's right, a little bit right, of a chip on right, their shoulder. Right. But I think for this game, there's more of a chip on the shoulder of the Los Angeles Rams. They need this game a lot more. I'm with you there, buddy. Plus two, 
I think the Rams make this interesting in the NFC West and they get this game. Yeah, well, we're together on that. Well, like you said, last week we had two family plays. We hit on both of them and uh, had big weeks as we uh, battle our way to get to that 500 mark, bro. I'm closing in on only five games under now. It would be something. You're five under. I'm at, I believe, seven under. It would be well, you're something. A game behind. Wait, you're a game behind, right? Game behind. That's so I'm it. thirty and I'm thirty and thirty-five. You're twenty-nine and thirty-six. So that you're right. You're correct. seven. You're seven on. Seven right. on the, but right there. Right. And if we could find our way to five hundred, considering our starts to the year, yes, that yes. would be an incredible turnaround. So before we say goodbye, we need a parting thought. Do you give your football team any chance no. Sunday against the New Orleans Saints? Because I well, thought about taking New Orleans. I'm probably right. going to regret not throwing them in there, but you do not think your team will be live on Sunday. Well, here's a couple of things to, to consider. Number one, it looks like Elijah Moore may not play. Yeah, which okay? is a huge deal. I mean, that's a killer. I mean, he's day-to-day. I don't know if he's playing. Hopefully, he'll sit uh, out another week, even though my fantasy team needs well, him. The I following understand. week in Miami, he's more than welcome to take a vacation, too. You know, my defense is an absolute disaster. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to say how bad this defense is. With that said, I, I you know, the Saints, they maybe nobody has been ravaged by injuries more than they have. I mean, they've been destroyed by it. The Jameis Winston injury has turned out to be a, an absolute killer for them. Um, you know, they went, and I think Kamara is playing this Kamara week. Kamara will be won. playing on Sunday. Well, of course. Correct. He saw it's a jet game. I mean, he's good for 200 yards. He knew. So, he knew. Get Mark right, Ingram not, Mark Ingram not playing, though. Mark Ingram out, and I believe Cam Jordan is out of this game. And both tackles out for the Saints. That's what kind of scared me off the number in lane five. You know if you have offensive line issues, it could could torpedo a game. It could torpedo a game. Now, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, Robert Sala has prepared for both Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. That would be nice. That would be nice. I mean, we only hope. I mean, he's an NFL head coach. I mean, you would think that, you know, maybe I like, maybe I should prepare for the backup quarterback as well. I mean, who knows? Because Taysom Hill does have a little bit of an injury. He got hurt last week, did throw four picks uh, in that game against Dallas that they lost. I, I Again, I, I don't know. I give the Jets a shot. I'll say this. I'd feel better if Moore was playing, no doubt. I do get, I do give the Jets a shot. They did bring a new kicker in, Eddie Pinheiro. I was going to say, uh, you have any family members who are place kickers? We so might have to get them right in now. touch with the Jets. Only my team. They're so bad. Only my team. Cuts the kicker and brings in a worse kicker than the guy they cut, okay? Because they cut Amendola's just to cut him. I mean, you know, there's no reason to cut him, but the guy you're putting ahead of him is is worse. He doesn't belong, correct. Yeah. But, right. So, I don't know what the deal is with this Panero. Uh, the kicking game, obviously, is a problem. The coach, look, as far as the coaching matchup between Sean Payton and, and Robin Sala, I mean, really? I mean, <laughs> really? So, you got that aspect of it, too. With New Orleans, look, I, I give the Jets a shot. I'll give them a shot. I'll give them a 20% shot. But if you're going to bet this game, you got to bet the Saints. That's all I, you have to. We'll see if I have buyer's remorse for not including New Orleans in our old school. We'll see. And what are they like? Five and a half. Right? Five or five and a half. Yeah. yeah. I went with the Giants instead. I got you did. That was I'm the game surprised. it came down I'm to. Very surprised. I get your logic with San Diego. You got to call San Diego. I get your logic with the Chargers. I just the Giants are just not good. They're, they're bad. I now you are that. getting now you are getting a big number. Though. Big number. I don't need them to win. I need them to make it right. ugly and close. That's the idea. Right, Joseph. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Florida. Get I will tomorrow, and hopefully I will play well tomorrow. Hopefully I will see you next Saturday or next week 
And Maybe. we have some 50-degree days awaiting Dolphins and Jets. And the biggest what? mistake I made is not staying down there for Dolphins and Jets next week. That's the biggest mistake. Well, you should have stayed. By the way, what, what is it like in about 85 today? No, 78 and 80. Not a cloud in the sky. Oh, Low my humidity. God. Bro, bro, the pain. The next pain. year, all I'm going to say, no, road no, trip. Look, Dolphins, alive, Jets, road trip. If I'm alive next year. You will be. God willing. If I'm alive next year, count me in for the Miami trip. All right? And a little post-game roadshow after the fact. Oh, I love uh, it. We could actually do it we'll in person. Do we'll do something. Uh, I love we'll it. All right, Joey. Enjoy, baby. All right, bro. All the love. Guys, see you. Take care. Bro, be good. All of it. From the great Joe B to now a Vegas extraordinaire, check him out at the Westgate Superbook. He joins us each and every football Friday, and what a week it was for the New York, New York family. Ain't that right, Arthur Caesar? What's up, buddy? JJ, it was phenomenal, my man. I I told you last week I had a great feel. Normally, I usually lean one way. I enjoyed both your cards last week. I felt good about both your cards. And Joe going 5-0 and oh, and you going 4-1. and one. I mean, we finally got it right, man. So what a week for the pod. I'm all about it. We want to have a hell of an encore here, so we want to kill it every which way. So before I give you some picks, before I give you the direction that Joe and I are headed in, sucker bet. That's where I want to start. Let's see if I can nail the sucker bet right out of the gate. My initial reaction would be the Cincinnati Bengals getting a point and a half would be the sucker bet of the week. Am I on to something there, Art the Caesar, or uh, not exactly? Well, I'll say this, and I'll give you mine in a second. I think you're on the sharp side of that. All the sharp money is on the 49ers. So if you're going to be on Cincinnati, you're going to be with the public, which we all know most of the time you don't want to be there. So, yes, Cincinnati is definitely a sucker-type play, a game that's not going to get a lot of attraction, but it's just a game that jumped out to me. Lions at Denver. We had that game open eight, eight and a half. It's now 10. I'm sorry. I, to me, if you're going to lay 10 points with Denver, I just can't get there. I know the Lions, everyone's like, oh, they're going to have a letdown because they won last week. Dude, they're one ten and one. They play hard for the coach. They have a competent enough quarterback. To me, I can't lay 10 points with Denver. I just can't do it. I think if you lay 10 points with Denver this week, that is a sucker bet. Um, I look at the card art. Not a great tease week, in my no, opinion. No, tough. You know, like, there were a couple of tease spots. Tennessee's probably a good tease spot. Seattle's probably a good tease spot. The Chargers might be a good tease spot. But they got these lines. Like, even the Packers, you're getting 12 and a half. Like, eh, that's, you're not getting them down to minus two and a half or minus three. This, to me, is a very, very tough week to tease. Well, and, you know, we always talk about it. These teasers... You want to try when you're taking a favorite. You want to obviously tease through three. You want to get under the three. And if you're going to tease up, you want to get above seven, maybe above 10. There's just a lot of different ways to go. I will say this, though. Teasers, public never teases up. They always tease down for the most part. The sharper teasers, they will tease up. They'll figure a way to get a number that they feel comfortable with. But we've had this conversation before. A lot of times now, we're starting to build these spreads with teasers in mind. Kansas City, perfect example, nine and a half. You know, if you want to get under three, you got you got to get to seven. So you're paying minus 140. We're there. Even the Chargers sitting at 10. 
if you want to get to that three, it's still three. You don't get under the three. You're at seven. People don't want to tease six points, six and a half points because you're not getting under three. I agree. Seattle's a great one because now Davis Mills is the quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback. Tennessee will be in a lot of them for sure. Those are probably the two big ones. I'm going to make you bet a New York football game this weekend. You don't have to take a New York football team, but I'm going to make <laughs> you either bet Saints-Jets or Giants-Chargers. What's more appetizing? It's interesting. When I look at those two teams, obviously the Jets are at home. You'd feel good because it's a home team. But it, it's weird. I think both teams, I don't think either team will win, but I actually think both teams have an, an opportunity to stay within the number. If you look at the Jets, we actually took sharp money on the Jets at plus six. It's now five and a half. Lawrence has some injury concerns. It looks like Kamara will play, but I, I don't love uh, Taysom Hill at quarterback. To me, he's not a big-time quarterback. And the Jets have won two of their three games at home. They've covered two of the three games you know, on the season at home. So Jets, okay, at home. You're getting five and a half, not terrible. And the thing I'll say about the Giants is Chargers now never a good favorite. They don't have any home field advantage. They're coming off a very big win. Now they got to play a giant team who is just terrible. Are they going to sleepwalk through the game? And as a giant, you know, a giant better, you're getting 10 or 10 and a half. And the Chargers have a lot of COVID concerns with wide receiver plays. So I think I would take the Giants because it's a lot of points, but I think both teams have a shot to stay within the number this week. Well, Art, that leads me to my picks for week 14. The Giants made the cut. I can't believe I'm doing it. I have no idea who's playing quarterback, but I just get a sense they'll make that game ugly. All their games over the last six weeks have been super low scoring, so I think that'll be the case. I got the Giants at nine and a half. I got the Niners laying to one. I think Tennessee is going to smoke the Jaguars. I have them at eight and a half. I don't care how public it is. I got the Rams on Monday night plus the two, and I'll give you my last one, Baltimore. Because to me, they should not be an underdog in this game. I don't care how beat up their secondary is. Cleveland stinks. Cleveland won't take advantage. I got the Ravens plus two and a half. How do we feel about my card? Okay, well, we talked about the Giants. I feel good about the Giants. 49ers, we talked about that in the sucker bank. You're going to be on the sharp side of that. So I could see that game going either way. I understand Burrow is an issue. Is, is his hand really that bad or his finger, whatever it may be? Tennessee, I understand laying that type of number. The Jaguars are just, they're the Jaguars, let's be real. Tennessee obviously has been kind of, you know, putting along as as they've gone without Henry. So I could see laying that number. I'll say this, those last two plays that you have, they're going to be in my uh, little play. So we're going to have a family theme here. I love your last two plays. I'm with you. Baltimore is, is to me, Better than Cleveland. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We opened that number. Ravens is a short favorite. Ravens minus one. It's now totally flipped. I, the Browns to me are no good. I'm with you. I know Lamar can be spotty. The Ravens have some injury concerns, you know, in their secondary, like you said. I, I don't buy it. I don't like Cleveland at all. And the Rams got a lot of sharp money early in the week. When it was three, we went to two and a half. Cardinals get no respect in the betting market. So I'm with you on your last two. The middle two, okay, I, I could kind of go either way, but definitely strongly like three of your plays. All right, so Beningo is riding Tennessee and is also riding the Los Angeles Rams. So for the second straight week, Joe and I have two family plays. We hit on both of them last week. The other three, I know you're not going to like one. He's got Denver laying the 10. He's got Tampa laying three against Buffalo. He's down on the Bills. 
He's got the football team who was so good to us last week, Art. He's going mm. back to the well. So Tennessee and L.A., but then he adds Denver, Tampa, and the football team. How do we feel about those? All right. Well, the two that we didn't touch on, that's a big game, right? Tampa at home against the Bills. The Bills coming off that disaster on Monday night. Very interesting game. That's going to be no doubt about it outside of the Monday night game. But on Sunday, that's going to be our highest volume game. We're going to take the most action on that game. It's the best game of the Sunday card. That game has kind of bounced from three and a half to three. We actually have it bucks minus three right now, but you got to pay the minus 120. The only thing I would be worried about, because when I initially looked at the lines, I'm like, how is that not a higher spread? Like, it's just the NFL. It scares me to lay that. It just seems too easy. So it, it worries me a little bit if I was laying that number with Tampa. I, it probably is the right side, but it would just worry me because of the NFL. Washington, they've won four straight. They've covered four straight. This is obviously a big NFC East matchup. Cowboys have kind of come back to earth a little bit. Washington plus four is going to be very interesting. We've taken a lot of Redskin money line or Washington football money line, but they have some injury concerns too. Obviously, Chase Young's been out, but they got uh, that great pass rusher. Sweat is on the COVID list. I think that could be a little bit of a tricky spot for Washington. Cowboys will come in. They'll be focused and ready to play, and they're rested. So... I'm going to go with you, JJ. I like your pick slightly more than Joe's because there are two family plays that I'm going to get into that I just like, and I'm going to ride that same theme like we did last week. Listen, I'm not going to roast you for liking my plays more because I went 4-1 last week, so <laughs> ain't broke, don't fix it. And you're rolling with another family tease like last week, Art. So let's hear it, bro. Absolutely. It's the two last games you mentioned. I'm going to do a two-team six-point tease. I'm taking the Ravens plus eight and a half. I'm making it. From two and a half to eight and a half, it's just too many points. That line was minus one. I've now flipped it almost 10 points. I think the Ravens are better. I think the Ravens will probably win the game. So give me the Ravens plus eight and a half. And I'm going to Monday light, Monday night. I like the Rams too. I'm going to make the Rams eight and a half. I just think the Rams, the Rams and the Cardinals played week four. I know that was a long time ago. That's when the Cardinals kind of got put on the map. They smoked the Cardinals in that game. I think the Rams will be really ready to play this game. This is a big game for the Rams. Not even so much division, just for them to feel good and know, hey, we're still the Rams. We still have a lot of talent. So give me a two-team, six-point teaser, Ravens plus eight and a half, Rams plus eight and a half. Before we say goodbye, and you know I love the sound of that tease, we now have lines for the college football playoff. And I did tell you, Art, Bama will either win the game outright. You certainly did. Or lose by 20 points. There was no middle ground. That's why to me there was no point in betting Alabama plus six and a half. Uh, before we get to these games for the semifinal, if we get a rematch in a national title game, what do we think? Bama minus two and a half? Very interesting. I will say this. We don't have anything yet, but I have seen a couple of places around town put that up. Georgia minus one. Wow. Still, I have seen that still, around town. Now, you do, you know this, though. If Bama is dominant and Georgia squeaks by Michigan, they'll adjust that line that much more. They will. I, I totally think they will. I think if we ever get to that game, and, you know, these semifinals are being played on the 31st, the championship game's the 10th, so you almost have two weeks. I think by kickoff, Bama will be, like you said, two, two and a half, maybe even three, because – People are just going to remember what happened in the SEC title game, and it's Alabama. It's like 
that was the thing, <laughs> you know, with these championship games. It's like, they're still Alabama. So I, I could see it opening in that type of range, but Alabama will get the money. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so are we getting an overreaction line with Georgia and Michigan? I think Michigan could play with them. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment because they had the big win over Ohio State. They're dominant in their win against Iowa. But I think what they have on the offensive and the defensive line makes them a live dog in this game. So seeing the line go from seven and a half to eight with everybody betting Michigan, I got to be honest, Art. I don't got to make a pick on this game right now, but that kind of scares the crap out of me. It does, but I'm with you. I am a prisoner of the moment. I like Michigan. I, I'm not going to go crazy and say I take them on the money line, but the fact that it was, like you said, seven, seven and a half, it's even gone to eight now. Like you said, we're, I mean, we have liability right now in Michigan, so we're just moving the line with the market. It's not that we're saying, hey, we're getting all this money the other way. Like We're just staying with the market. So Michigan right now, I'm with you. I think they definitely are a live dog in the game. I, I love getting over the touchdown. I just think Michigan's on a magical roll. They've like slayed these all, all these dragons, Harbaugh, that you know, the team. You, you, you know, if you watch these interviews after the game, these kids are so invested. They're like, it's like they've been in the trenches together all these years. They've been getting, oh, you know, Michigan can't win the big games. And now they're finally over for the hump. Like, I, I, I really kind of believe in this Michigan team. I can see them really giving Georgia a fight. I can't. The Bama line seems too low. Am I crazy to think that? It seems to. And everybody's going to bet them. Listen, everybody and their mother is going to bet Alabama in this game. And it's tough to back a team out of the American Conference against Alabama, for goodness sakes. Or how is that line not 16 and a half or 17? I totally agree. The fact that we have it sitting right now under the two touchdowns at 13 and a half is mind to me. I think... I don't know. I don't want to say, listen, we'll never get to 16 or 17, but by the time we get two, three weeks from now, we start getting closer to kickoff. Does it get to 14, 14 and a half, get over the two touchdowns? Everyone's going to take Alabama. There's no doubt about it. Everyone's going to come in the first half. It's just the way it is. We'll have a lot of Alabama liability. I think too, there will be a lot of Alabama, Georgia money line parlays. I think that will be in play. So we'll need one of the underdogs hoping to win. Probably not rooting for Cincinnati because we don't think that will happen. So we'll probably really be pulling for Michigan in that sense to break up those two-team parlays between – money line parlays between Bama and Georgia. Fascinating. Final one. When it comes to locking in bowl games, there's so much uncertainty with a lot of these other games because you got to figure out who's playing, who cares, the motivation, like – that's why I'm very hesitant. Like, I'm in a bowl pool and I got to lock them in by, like, next Thursday or Friday. Yeah. All of them. I hate it because, like, my feeling on a couple of these games could drastically change if I find out some guys are not going to play. Traditionally speaking, the non-playoff bowl games, when do you start firing? When do you start locking in those bets? And listen, good luck if you got to put picks in for for a bowl thing, you know, next week. It, it, it's just impossible. It's hard to bet into these numbers. I understand there are professional bettors who find numbers that they just think are too good when the initial come out and they bet them. I get that. But with just the way it is now and all these, first of all, a ton of coaching moves, assistants going places, head coaches going places, and then all these top players, like in Oregon's defensive end, who's going to be a top pick, Kenny Pickett, Heisman Trophy finalist, is he going to play? There's just too, too much uncertainty for that. You have weeks to figure that out. 
if I'm betting a game that's like one of those traditional New Year's Day games, I'm waiting until I hear big news or I'm waiting until I know the line might move, but you can't bet into numbers where you don't know if key players or key coaches are going to be available. Art, best of luck with the family tees. You know I will be rooting. Let's have another killer week and let's be in glorious spirits again next week, baby. JJ, I love it. I have another great feeling about this week. And listen, man, the the tide's starting to turn. So this is going to be another big week. I'm I'm pulling a Joe Namath. I'm guaranteeing a big week. And let's do it, my man, and we will talk next week. Wow, and guess what? We got Saturday games to look forward to next week. How good is that? Yes, Yes, sir. I love it. The great Arthur Caesar over at the Westgate Superbook. All right, Art. Take care. We'll talk. All right, brother. We go from Arthur Caesar to a man who also had a very productive, very productive week. The great Jeff Money. Money, the floor is yours. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks for week number 14. Super contest style. Coming off a great week last week, going four and one. Puts me at 30, 34, and one on the year. Uh, we didn't have any head to head and we didn't have any uh, family plays last week. So my five plays, here we go. My money play, I'm going to start out. I'm going to go to away team. I'm going to go with my Dallas Cowboys minus the four over Washington. Game number two, I'm going to take a home team. I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers minus 11 and a half over the Bears. Game number three, I'm going to take an away team. I'm going to take the Ravens plus the two and a half over the Browns. Game number four, I'm going to take another away team. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills plus the three over the Buccaneers. And game number five on Monday, I'm going to take the Cardinals minus the two over the Rams. Again, my five plays. Money play, I'm going to go with the Cowboys minus the four. I'm going to go with the Packers minus the 11 and a half. Go with the Ravens plus the two and a half. I'm going to go with the Bills plus the three. And finally, on Monday night, going to go with the Cardinals minus the two. And as always, everyone can always follow me in my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, I love that we will have a family play with the Baltimore Ravens. You and Beningo have very contrasting cards going into week 14. Your head's up with Dallas and the football team. Your head's up on Buffalo and Tampa. And I guess we are all heads up. Joe and I riding with the Rams. You, sir, lone wolf with the Arizona Cardinals. And good news for you, I haven't figured out the Arizona Cardinals all year, so we'll see if that continues to be a trend. We go from Jeff Money to the fantasy guru, who we are counting on in a monster way. It's the final week of the fantasy regular season. Jason Katz from the Pro Football Network. It's time to deliver, my friend. We need you. How we doing, buddy? I would say week 16 now, the semifinal, is the most important week of the season. But the second most important week is the week that we're in right now. Because, because this is it. You either get in, you get your bye, or you wait till next year. I got to say, Thursday Night Football treated me well. I had Dalvin Cook in a league. I'm glad that I found out about 45 minutes before game time he was going to give it a go. And how about you nailing the Osborne pickup with the Adam Thielen injury? I took your advice. I picked him up in all league with the great Tommy Keenan. And we're substituting the fact that Elijah Moore, Jason, is probably not going to play. Fabulous, my friend. Fabulous. Glad I could help. I I was on KJ Osborne because I knew that he was going to play around 80 to 90% of the snaps following Thielen's uh, ankle sprain. And I mean, listen, it took one big play, but hey, he was on the field. That's how you get a chance to score when you're on the field, and he got there. So 
whoever started him is very happy about it. A lot of injuries this week. If there is one injury that you will be monitoring very, very closely as we get closer and closer to Sunday's action and Monday's action, is there like a make-or-break fantasy game-time decision coming up over the weekend? There are a couple that I'm really, really intrigued by. Obviously, my own team, Tony Pollard. I don't know how somebody plays through a torn plantar fascia, but apparently Pollard's supposed to try. That's obviously a really relevant one because Pollard was kind of pushing ahead of Zeke uh, beginning last week. I'd like to see him be able to play. Interested to see if Melvin Gordon can play because we all saw what Javante Williams did last week. Um, interested in J.D. McKissick's status. He's got a limited practice on Thursday. If he plays, that lowers Antonio Gibson's upside a little bit. Want to make sure uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, he's not expected to play. Joe Mixon was out today with a what is described as a bad cold. If this guy misses a game week 14 because of a cold, oh, man, fantasy managers will not be pleased. Yeah, those are pretty much the main ones going on right now. And, of course, the, uh, the COVID situation in, in, Lo- in Los Angeles. Jason speaking like a Joe Mixon owner, if I say so myself. Kind of came across that way. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit of a hunch, just a thought. All right, buddy, let's get to the matchups of the week. And then I got a ton of Twitter questions that we got to fire at you rapid because the people need you. This is, this is money time. So let's start at quarterback, the must play, and the guy we're looking to avoid uh, for the week 14 slate. The people might be very angry with me if this one doesn't work out again, but I'm going back to the well with Derek Carr. He was a miss last week. I just, I'm going to try to avoid recency bias and that whole thing where it's like, you know what? He failed me last week, so I'm not starting him because the matchup is there. The Chiefs allow the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Carr is second in the NFL in passing yards. He's fourth in pass attempts. When the Raiders played the Chiefs in week 10, Carr threw for 261 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. If he does that again, he'll be worth starting. I, the, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites in this game. You got to figure... The Raiders are throwing. I'm hoping that Carr can do a little better than the one passing touchdown he has over like his last two or three games. I'm intrigued by that matchup. And I think about Derek Carr and what he did in Kansas City last year, and it has my eyes lighting up. Would you have any hesitation, though, with the way the Chief defense has played over the last few weeks? Does that scare you a little bit here, Jason? It does a little bit. You have to think, like, Derek Carr, he's been good. Hasn't been great, but he's been good. He's been solid. He's been keeping the Raiders in games. They they lost their last game 41 to 14, and he still managed QB one week. I think that this will be a closer game. Uh, so if it's closer, that involves him throwing touchdowns. At least that that's that's my hope for how this how the game script will go. All right. I always have fun trying to guess the quarterback that you're going to avoid. I'm gonna say it's oh, yeah, you don't think I'm gonna have fun with this one. You're not gonna get it. Oh, I think I'm going to. Is it Jared Goff? against the Denver Broncos on Sunday. You got the right game. You got the wrong quarterback. Ah, it's Teddy B. Oh, okay. Well, what's the logic there? The reason that I'm picking Teddy Bridgewater, even though nobody is mistaking him for a QB1, because I can see fantasy managers streaming him this week against the worst team in the NFC. But the problem in this one is going to be game script. When the Broncos are not trailing, they run the ball 52% of the time, which is the fifth highest rate in the NFL. Last week, Javante Williams lit the world on fire ran for 102 yards on 23 carries, and that game wasn't competitive the other way. They were trailing throughout. Lions allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs. Broncos 10-point favorites. I feel like we're going to get a lot of running and not a lot of bridge work. Okay, let's get to running backs where situation is everything, where opportunities is everything. 
Where is the opportunity knocking with this field, with this wonderful crop that we have? Uh, when we're talking about matchups, we often do look to game scripts, and we're doing it again with Deontay Foreman. The last time the Titans played the Jaguars, they had Derrick Henry. He ran for 130 yards, scored three touchdowns on 29 carries. Now, Derrick Henry, Deontay Foreman is not. But he did rush for 109 yards on 19 carries before the Titans buy. The Jaguars allowed the 10th most fantasy points to running backs. Titans 10-point favorites, which means positive game script. Coming out of the bye, I think they'll be very inspired. And I think Foreman has a real shot at 20 carries. He's the primary runner. I like him as an RB2 this week. Fascinating. And on the other hand, we're going to sit all the Bills running backs. Just stop trying to figure this out. Don't start any of them. I like that. No Brita, no Singletary, no Moss. Just uh, assume that Josh Allen is going to be their leading bell cow guy, basically. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume Zach Moss was active last week purely because of the weather. But then again, he led the team in touches. Eight carries for 21 yards. I mean, I don't know what they're doing with Zach Moss. But to be fair, Devin Singletary wasn't much better. Ten carries, 36 yards. Matt Brita played just seven snaps. The Bucs are a pass funnel defense. Bills are a pass-first offense. They're going to throw. I think this is high scoring. I don't like I don't want any part of the Bills running backs this week. Okay, let's get to wide receiver. You would have given out Osborne maybe as your play of the week if we did this spot 24 hours ago. We are doing this spot after Thursday night football. So now it's Sunday and Monday card, Jason. What wide receiver is catching your eye? Going to a wide receiver on a team. My team that has played the last two Thursdays, and that is Amari Cooper. It has been a long time since Cooper was productive. He posted duds in week 9 and 10. He missed weeks 11 and 12 with COVID. Was limited in week 13 with the lingering symptoms. Now has had 10 days to recover. Mike McCarthy said he expects no limitations. I expect Amari Cooper back to his full complement of snaps. The football team allows the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. I think we're going to get a pass-heavy game plan, especially if Tony Pollard can't play or is limited, and Cooper can really get going this week. I like that. I need a big week out of Amari Cooper. So anytime you can throw one of my wide receivers in matchup of the week, that puts a smile on my face. Hopefully, you're not going to give me a fantasy player or wide receiver to avoid this week. Hopefully, it's somebody that's not on my team. So, now I'm very intrigued, Jason. Um, looking to avoid a bit, Odell Beckham. He's been much better with the Rams than with the Browns, which is admittedly a very low bar. But his last two weeks, where he's produced well, have been kind of a mirage. He had the long touchdown in Week 12 and the short touchdown in Week 13. More concerning, though, is the snap share. Ben Skoronek, didn't play in week 12. Beckham played 98% of the snaps. He returned in week 13, and Beckham played just 53% of the snaps. I know this game has the potential to be a shootout, and I sure hope it is. That's a lot of fun for fantasy. So Beckham is definitely not the worst start, but I just don't think he's an every-down player, nor is he an every-week wide receiver three that fantasy managers might be doing. That. Jason, I have a ton of Twitter questions from the audience. They need your help. You promised me big things. Are you ready to deliver for the audience one last time, baby? One last time. We've got, we got three more weeks after this, yeah, but let's a good go. Point. This is not the finale of our fantasy season. but it I is hope not. It is the regular season finale. All right, let's get right to him. Rapid fire from Josh. DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, who's probably not going to play, Daryl Henderson in a non-PPR flex spot. So really, DK Metcalf or Daryl Henderson? Yeah, I'm, Elijah Moore is not going to play, which is really unfortunate because I really like the kid. He's super talented, really coming on strong. So we're between Metcalf and Daryl Henderson. We're not sure what Henderson's status is. I don't know how limited he's going to be. He did get he did was he was listed as a limited participant in the Rams kind of practice on Thursday, but we saw Sony Michelle play really well last week. Uh, Henderson plays Monday night, so you have to make this call on Sunday. I would 
err on the side of caution and go with Metcalf. Quarterback, Justin Herbert against the giant team that likes to make things very, very ugly, and we don't know which one of his wide receivers are going to be out there. Or is it Taysom Hill in a very juicy matchup against the Jets? That is a very tough one because Herbert is obviously the better quarterback. Taysom Hill has the better matchup. Giants allow the 12th fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. The Jets, 11th most. But more concerning with Taysom Hill is the Jets are the worst run defense in the NFL. So we should see a lot of Alvin Kamara, especially with Deontay Harris out, Ty Montgomery out, Mark Ingram out. The problem, though, of course, is Taysom Hill, he runs. So maybe he's going to get involved in that rushing and exploit the Jets' defense. Um, that's a really tough one. I would have a hard time benching Justin Herbert. He's been playing really well the last three weeks. 300-plus yards passing in his last three games, a total of eight touchdowns. I think you got to stick with Herbert. Uh, unrelated. Well, actually, it is kind of related. It's not a Twitter question from the audience, but it's that ideal loyalty that you have with guys throughout the year. Like you mentioned with Herbert. He's been great for you. You've had him on your team. You've had him starting. But if you have a matchup that's more appealing, do you, Jason, just look at it where you say it's week by week? I don't care what you did for me for 13 weeks. I'm going with, with who can help me win this week. Or is there a sense of loyalty maybe that comes into some of these fantasy decisions? How do you usually handicap it? You've heard the phrase, I'm sure, start your studs. I do not subscribe to that because the term stud is relative. There are a handful of players every year where you lock them into lineups and you know, you know you are getting production. Guys like Cooper Cup this year, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry before he went down. You put the, those guys in your lineup, it doesn't matter, you know. But when there are those guys who you don't know for sure who might be prone to down games, it's, it's all matchup-based. If you have somebody who has a better matchup who's also good at football, you can start them. There is nobody that I'm not willing to bench if the situation calls for. Jason, I normally don't ask of you to sit a player, but one of our friends on Twitter is giving you four options and you got to sit one. Mitchell, who may not play, so that might make it easy. Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt. Let's, is there any chance Mitchell gives it a go on Sunday? I'd be very surprised. I can't say no for sure because when it comes to concussions, it's a day-by-day -day thing. He could wake up tomorrow, feel really good, get into limited practice, and then uh, by, by Saturday, he's ready to kind of make that sort of full practice and gets cleared on Sunday. It's possible. I don't think it's going to happen. Typically, if somebody doesn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday with a concussion at all, they don't end up getting cleared. So Mitchell is probably going to be the sit. But in the event Mitchell somehow played between those guys, I'm probably sitting Kareem Hunt. Final one, Jason. And we have another option where you got to sit a guy. Devontae Freeman against the Browns. Your guy Foreman, Mr. Hubbard who is now the bell cow in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey being done for the year. One's got to sit. Freeman, Foreman, Hubbard. And careful with calling Chuba Hubbard the bell cow. I don't think that's going to happen, and that's why he's Ooh, my pick to sit. Okay, there you go. I teed you up nicely then. Yeah, uh, he, he was the last time McCaffrey went down, and the last time they played the Falcons, Hubbard did have 24 carries for, 80, for 82 yards. So, I mean, he had two targets, has 26 opportunities. But over the last few weeks, we've seen Amir Abdul be more involved in the passing game. This has been more of a timeshare. I'm concerned that's going to stay the same going forward. Devonta Freeman last week, his 69% snap share was his highest of the season. He had 14 carries, and eight targets. He is the lead back. He has taken over that backfield. I think he's a safe RB2 every week at this point. You know I like Foreman this week. I think I'm sitting Hubbard. 
Jason Katz over at the Pro Football Network, our fantasy guru. Jason, that was a lot to put on your plate. I hope you digested it properly, and I hope it will lead to big results for all of the listeners out there. And we all want to be playing in the fantasy playoffs. We all want to be cashing. So uh, like the Beatles once sang, don't let me down. You know, I came into this, this uh, spot uh, in good spirits after a rare positive Thursday experience watching football for my fantasy team. So fired up to deliver for the people. I like it. Jason, enjoy your weekend. And next week, bro, it's playoff time. I look forward to it. That's our dude. That's Jason Katz over at the Pro Football Network. We're back Sunday, and we'll we'll make up the voicemails for you. I promise on that. So get the voicemails my way. We'll double the action every which way. Fellas, good to have Stefan back. Great job as always. We're back Sunday night after another riveting weekend of the Jets and the Giants. Oh, they just continue to be the gift that keeps on giving. JJ, signing off. Be good, everybody.